0: I think that the biggest problem is siloing. It's very natural, but you need to open it up in a way that, first of all, you can truly assess what's the problem and give a little bit of free time in order to do things which are not part of the rigid roadmap.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast, where we dedicate our discussion to insurance innovation. So we are fresh off the heels of InsureTech Connect, and you know I did not have the opportunity to attend this year due to other travel and, and other obligations. But um, it looks like uh, it was a phenomenal event. You know, um, just based on the feedback that I heard, you know, it it seems as if we're starting to see some maturity in this InsureTech space. Um, you know, so we're not seeing a lot of new transformations that that's occurring. But you know, nonetheless, it seems to have been a a really great conference um, with a lot of great um, content and concepts and innovation and insure, tra- uh, insure tech transformation discussed. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited that. Uh, folks have had the opportunity to learn about what's been happening transformationally in the insurance industry um, and, you know, being able to walk away from InsureTech Connect to apply that to what you do on a day-to-day basis. Um, Now, with that said, I will be attending the Accord Connect conference in Boston at the end of October of this year, and hopefully I'll get an opportunity to see some of you there, and and there I will be recording uh, the 100th episode with a lot of other insure tech uh, innovators that are looking to innovate and transform this space. Um, So uh, really excited about that, really excited about uh, coming up on that 100th episode um, in which, you know, you'll have the ability and the opportunity to really hone in on what's going to play out over the next year in in, in 2020. And and we'll also take an opportunity to reminisce on, you know, what occurred over the past couple of years uh, before hitting that episode. So uh, really excited about that. Um, You know, with that said, I do want to welcome Uh, Our uh, guest for today, and that's Gilad Shai, the founder of Bound API, an embedded insurance platform that offers D2C distribution. Now, Gilad is also the founder of InsureTech LA. Hey, um, Gilad, welcome to the podcast. It's really great to have you here today.
0: Thank you very much for having me. That's amazing, dude. I, you know, it's very hard to find people that nailed my first name at the first start, especially the Hebrew version of it. You know, many (laughs) folks are familiar with Gilead Labs, Gilead Science, and, you know, the English version, unless they're from Florida and they used to see Gilead Jankovic doing aerobics back in the day, but, you know, <laughs> let's not go into that. Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Hey, no, it's great, it's great. Well, well hey, you know, uh, but before we jump into all of the things that you've been doing and some of the topics that we're going to touch upon today, you, you know, I, I always take an opportunity to really try to get to know what you've done throughout your history, especially as I want to share it with the audience that's listening to us speak here today now for you you know you've been working with companies throughout your career like yahoo and intel and and then over time you transitioned into the insurance space later in your career you know so gilad you know talk to me about what you've done up into your career and just walk me through what got you to this point
0: so you know everything starts in vegas Yeah, i was no so i i usually tell the story that my You know, I I found my path into insurance when I was in CS in Vegas and uh, not, I will not provide all the information, but in a certain panel I met uh, who used to be the chief digital officer for his insurance and uh, Pato, I forgot his last name at this point. It's been a while. I think that he is now with Hulu. And... We talked, we talked about all kinds of different things. Apparently, both of us used to work at Yahoo. We knew mutual friends. We didn't work together. And he's like, oh, my God, I need people like you. We're doing this transformation. You build companies, engineering teams. Come, come, come. We're going to do this. It's going to be amazing. It was amazing. Um, I joined, and of course, as a big company, although, you know, how it works, I found myself, I think it took uh, two months later to get me on board, and then a couple of uh, switch and uh, a bite and switch and stuff like that, we started drawing into that transformation at Farmer's Insurance. Um, but, yeah, that was how I got into the insurance industry. But early on, you know, I had, uh, I would call it the Israeli entrepreneurial bug. I, had, uh, I, st- I would say that my first uh, startup was e-commerce. And that was early 2000 when poker was a big thing. I used to import poker accessories and distribute them uh, online and from there i had all kinds of uh, various uh, startups or joined the startups and bigger companies to make uh, cool uh, cool products happen it was from and frankly i was very lucky sometimes just to be the, the right guy in the right place it was from uh, demoing Google Glass for L magazine and current driver at uh, the Google iO sandbox. Um, you know uh, launching a what was that um, San Francisco Chronicle for iPad. There were all kinds of things that were like just the right time and it was pretty cool yeah.
1: Yeah, that that sounds pretty cool, and 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 you know, just given your history, you to the point that you made, you have um, started in, in different startups or started different startups, as well as worked in industry through the companies that we talked a little bit about earlier. Um, you know, uh, so to work with Google Glass and, and those sorts of things throughout early in your career, that, that that's really interesting. Now, I I got to um, take it to what you're doing today with Bound. Now, you know, you all are working to solve the opportunity around distribution now you know i I have to tell you uh when we talk distribution you hear a lot of organizations out there some of them you might hear from others you may not um so there there are companies out there that are looking to transform uh, uh you know what they're doing in this space without the agency just completely cut the agent out of the space you know so companies like lemonade and um and there's there's others that are looking to do the same now, with that said, I can tell you I don't believe in agency disintermediation. And honestly, I think that the biggest opportunities out there um are uh those that are going to empower the agents, and I think those organizations are gonna win, right? So um I I, I Feel that you might think the same but if you don't mind talk to me about your thoughts around the challenge and the value proposition in regards to what you all are trying to solve and just where you all see the agent fitting into the picture in general
0: so let's start with that I'm all pro agent I don't think that the agents are going away there is a certain generation that now is living there is a big problem within the market and who is going to take the position of the agent and how the agent role is going to change but we are not there yet in terms of scaling up and running on ai or fake ai that is going to replace the agents we are far from it will it will take a decade two decades to run that but today we need also all that information the data in order to make that actually happen so today and I will give a lot of credit to my education at Farmers for that, is seeing the direct model, the captive agent, and how to work with the independent agents and thinking about, okay, how can we empower them? Because we're talking about something that if we're looking higher, you know, bigger picture in the macro level, you have 2% of the GDP. You have more than a million people working in the insurance, age, in the insurance industry. And the majority are agents, still most of the premium written are, are being done by the agents. Now, what are the tools that we are going to provide them today and in five years in order that they can sell better? Because they are still the, the main avenue. We can, we can do all kinds of cool things and, you know, Lemonade is great, it's amazing. They're, They recognize that fraud and claims and they have their own stuff. Fruit has a different uh, philosophy about their customer acquisition and later on how they tweak in order to make sure that different elements are there. And I'm not going to dive into that. But at the end of the day, you still have hundreds of thousands of people that their job is to sell insurance. And they've been doing that for better and worse. Now, then it's a question, how can we make them work better and focus on things that actually matter? And it's not, uh, I'm not talking about uh, the handicap at golf. It's more about providing the right advice. Now, I, I really like the analogy of uh, a supermarket and, or even a chain, because a couple of those agents are a small grocery and a couple of them are a chain of supermarkets. Now, these guys are a business. They get the products and especially the independent agents from the insurance companies based on a relationship, now the distribution, etc. And they will place that in the best way on their shelf in order to sell those products. Now, when you talk to an insurance agent, usually you ask him, okay, so what do you sell? Because the carriers provide you amazing, you know, President Club, Top Header, whatever that may be, so you will have the right compensation and incentive to sell their product for the commission and the glory. But sometimes the answer is, and actually I would say 75% of the time, and whatever I can sell faster because the customer will run away. And today there are several pilots that we are working on with insurance companies. It's how can they help the, the, the agents, the supermarkets, To sell their products and we're starting with the most simple products out there so they can embed that so if we are still in that analogy we are telling them you know what's your problem oh you start to work at 9 a.m you close at 5. great Uh, if there are things that you would like to place in a different order do you understand where's the product placement on your shelf okay let's understand that what's the effort are you good at Bringing people to your supermarket, fantastic. At the end, so today, what we are actually doing, we are creating vending machines. So if Coca-Cola wants to place a vending machine outside of a, a grocery store, they can put that and they pay the commission to the grocery or to that insurance agent. And this is part of that small, little automation that we are starting at this point. I don't want to talk about the bigger you know, version of the vision of where we're we taking that um, and other elements. But today, to help those agents, we are starting with the small uh, cans. And later on, there are other products. Because think about what's the biggest problem for an agent. If, first of all, most of them cannot sell online, the best case scenario that they have is a website that looks modern, that has get a free quote. Hey, contact us, we'll call you back. Now, if it's for a small premium product that they will get a commission of 20, $30 at best, will they even call you back? They will go like, eh, no, I don't care about that. It doesn't worth my, it doesn't worthwhile. If it's not like a big uh, premium or something which is more complex. So what we are trying to help them is in a share, in a nutshell, it's like pick up the money that they leave on the table and help the insurance companies that realize that their distribution channels is not at not at seventy five, not at ninety. They are like in the fifty percent efficiency of selling their own products. So that's like a high level of how to empower you know the agents. We also provide other embedded insurance services, which is more about how to. De- to discover new distribution channels. But uh, we can t- answer that in a, in the next question.
1: Yeah, so I, I gotta tell you, I, I do think that you're spot on, right? So with the agents specifically, especially in the way in which they target their customers today, um, it, it doesn't make financial sense for agents to go after that micro-segment for the $25, $30, $40 commission. You need thousands upon thousands of policies to make that worthwhile. Now, you know, traditionally, those agents will need you would have went out and, you know, hit the producer or got a producer to, to hit up a couple of organizations. And, you know, basically pound the pavement, make phone calls, knocks on, knock on doors in order to, to target those customers. Now, because they're micro, small segment, those customers are looking to get their insurance um, and start that in the digital channel now you know as it started in the digital channel they may still have some questions or so on but in the end those customers based on the changing expectation and experience um would like to end quote bind and have those policies uh, issued digitally so they can get coverage especially given the fact that that's a contractually driven segment right you know so so it makes typically no sense for an agent to get a producer out there because Almost immediately, that transaction is going to become unprofitable unless you can leverage a capability and a technology like yours that can enable the agent as a part of that process. Now, you know, you went on to talk a little bit about um, embedded insurance, which could completely change the insurance buying dynamic. So, Gilad, you know, if you don't mind, um, you know, talk to me about what embedded insurance is and if you see that truly as the future of where insurance is going.
0: Let's, you know, in the, let me take a couple of steps back. And, you know, one of the things that we love, especially in corporate level, is talk about the customer journey. We love it. I don't I don't know if a, a Deloitte, McKinsey, or EY, whoever started to coin that, or, we, we, you know, we jumped on that uh, wagon and go like, yes, it's all about the customer journey. And it is. It is super important, the customer journey. But that's not the customer's journey. The, j- the customer has its own journey. And the thing is that we are pulling them out from their own journey. They have a journey. They are like, they are about to buy a home, they, to get a car, to fly on vacation, to get married. There is a certain journey that they are now over in that path. And what we are doing, we're telling them, hold your horses. Come to here uh, a lot of uh, banner ads that you don't even care about, and come to our website, and then we're going to get your contact, and we'll call you in two or three days about I don't know workers' compensation and Bob, usually Bob. I, I recently had to get my uh, uh, you know insurance insurance, and I think that it took it almost a month because they are still cannot wrap their head about software. Uh, development uh, companies. But live your your journey, come to our customer journey, and once you finish with us, continue, get a mortgage and other elements. Now, instead of pulling out the customer from their own journey, the insurance companies need to realize that we, the insurance industry, are part of the customer journey. We need to embed ourselves into their journey. I, I'm not dismissing brand recognition. Most of the money uh, for the big players, it's all about brand recognition, and it's super important. But being there, being in when you take a decision, when you learn about risk, it can be a very small risk or something bigger. That's the, You need to be there and then. If it's in point of sale, it's part of a, a affinity groups, if it's one step, you know, people usually see and ignore, and that's a very interesting because I fly American Airlines, and if I don't decline to, to buy travel insurance, decline or uh, accept to buy the travel insurance, I cannot move forward of buying uh, my airline ticket. Now, airline uh, tickets nowadays, there are a little bit, there are several questions because of other reasons, but... Part of the concept is where, what you can do and how you can do that. And this is actually, that's a very, very, very important thing to discuss because that's part of the regulation and the compliance that we have in the insurance industry. There are many elements of how far you can take it in terms of marketing, soliciting, and providing an advice and if an estimated quote and a quote is defined as an advice or if it's a marketing and soliciting part so there are many things that are super important in order to provide the insurance companies to be there and to take that action
1: yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Gilad. You know that I, I think uh, you're, you're you're spot on in relation to that. And and when I think about the embedding of insurance, so you know, one of the things that you one of the examples that you use is is travel insurance. And and of course, you're you're right. You know, when you are purchasing an airline ticket, or if you're purchasing something online, it could even be a hotel and so on. Um, The option is there um, and it's embedded as a part of the core transaction. And, And what I like to remind folks is that, you know, people are buying experiences or things that they need to do on their on a day to day basis. So when they're buying an airline ticket, they're typically not thinking about, well, hey, should I protect this? Which is why the prompt is there. Right. Embedding that option as a part of the process. And that's exactly the same thing when we think about. Other life changes and transactions that, that people are, 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 are doing as a part of their lives, you know, they're, they're not buying home insurance, they're buying the home. They're not buying auto insurance. They're buying the car. They're not buying, you know, healthcare for a baby. They're having a child. You know, those are all life experiences that, as a part of the customer experience, if you could be able to embed, um, you know, uh, the an offering as a part of that core in some way, shape, or form, I think that that helps to change the way in which the customer would interact with an insurance organization. Now, with that said, uh, you, know, you know Gilad, it is much easier said than done. You know, I, I, I like to use the example of a company um, uh, that uh, has a, a cyber capability, right? And, and what they re- what they do, the, the the name of the company is called Atbay, um, and they have a, a cyber um, product or a, a software product in which they sell employers or organizations software to help mitigate the potential of a data breach within their network right so that software it's everything that goes along with trying to mitigate a data breach but in the event that there is a data breach then At bay would also provide for the insurance component of that transaction right you know thereby embedding it in the in the purchase of the software now the core offering is the software purchase, right? With the de-emphasization on the insurance purchase, but you can get that all together. So, you know, Kilab, you know, as as I think about your platform. Um, and um, and where you see embedded insurance in the future, you know, where do you see this mostly being successful? Um, and then what type of insurance paired with organizations do you feel is really going to get the, the best value out of embedded insurance based on the changing customer expectation over time?
0: Wow. So. This is great, and I I don't want to really jump too completely about our strategy and stuff like that, but in general, the way that we slice and dice the market, or let's call it the the affinity groups, and who, who, sorry, we like to call them the third party or digital partners to the insurance carriers. Um, We break them down, are they... Uh, is insurance going to be an added value to the current service? Are they a service company? Are they a content providers? You know, they talk, there is content, there is the thought about the risk. So they know how to work through a marketing publishing campaigns. Are they this, the long tail of the internet? Are they affinity groups? So they provide another type of a product to a set, to a captured audience. And then, of course, we have the different processes that sometimes it's more of an enterprise-to-enterprise setup. So each one of those, so we can use the, the cyber. Actually, we're talking to a certain insurance company that has a cyber paper for small business and they're using another startup and they're all trying to figure out, okay, how do we do that and how we are working with the different folks? And one of the things that... Great. Now let's identify and do that outreach. But one of the points I- that you need to remember when you're working with another company that it that already has some sort of a, a use base. And we'll continue with Sander. They sell cyber security. And for them it's like, yes, it actually makes sense for us from a revenue stream to add also the insurance companies. An insurance product and, you know, enjoy that referral fee. But for them to integrate with an insurance company, it's a lot of work. It's a B2B or E2E, enterprise to enterprise uh, solution. So that small thing for it will carry cost for them. And it means that it needs to provide a return on investment that makes sense. And at that point, what we are actually providing them as our value proposition is sort of the Twilio of insurance. We are saying, you know, we have done the hard work. We established relationship with amazing careers. We integrated with their uh, quoting or rating systems, really depends on each one and his own technology stack and his own ability. And the only thing that you need to do today is copy an iframe and paste it in your website and that's it in less than a minute and you are ready to run with let's call it insurance x on your website that insurance x that's their brand it's super clear that they are the one who are asking their underwriting questions it's their quote everything is just an extension of the insurance of the carrier or the MGA and not of that uh, digital partner. And yeah, so that's what we are uh, providing and helping of course, because let's let's face it, big insurance companies, uh, there is a certain core and then of course there are all kinds of uh, contractors that they use. They are not using one marketing agency, they are using sometimes of them really depends on which area, and part of our service is to give them the ability. Okay, this is your target audience. This is what you are looking for. Let's let's especially at this point of uh, of the startup, we are working together with them in order to build that market for their product.
1: Yeah, I, I think the way in which you laid it out shows that. In order to be able to successfully work with and you'll I'll use a a carrier as an example, an incumbent, a legacy, whatever we want to call them, um, it's to make it easy. Right. You know, as as you mentioned, um, you know, or those organizations are working with a multitude of, let's say, marketing agencies. Right. Or or they depending on the organization that you're engaged with, um, you know, those organizations could have um, infrastructure that's all across the spectrum from 40, 50 years old, all the way up through a lot of the um, digital transformation overhauls that we're seeing today. But but in in essence, what it what you need to do um, as a startup, I, I would say, especially when you're engaging with incumbents and legacy carriers, is, is to try to make it as easy as possible. Now, now, Gilad, you know, you're seeing a lot of legacy carriers that are now starting to work with more um, and work more closely with um, which is meant to help enable those legacy carriers at any part of that carrier's value chain. Um, So as we see it from the perspective of the insure tech like yourself, um, and and not even, you know, from the perspective of your specific company, but just from uh, from taking it from the vantage point of being an insure tech, you know, what do you think are the biggest challenges faced by incumbent carriers that are looking to engage insure tech startups and vice versa? Same thing on the insure tech side, looking to engage incumbent carriers and agencies.
0: So, um, many different challenges, and I can tell you there are, every insurance company is a little bit different, or sometimes a lot of it uh, different. I'm not sure that's a a correct phrase in English, but let's use it. The the biggest problem for them that the majority of them never, Worked in an insur- in a in a startup or a technology company or or something that is trying to build from you know from scratch, and then the other let's call it other challenges is that is that a problem that we actually need? How is that going to be reflected within the organization? What's the political structure? Is the person who's doing the scouting, or is it just tech tourism? You know, there are different elements of the decision-making process that within the company itself sometimes is a struggle. And one of the examples, and I'm not going to tell you, a certain big company uh, that they have good relationship with, they've been toying about predictive analytics for, I don't know, three, maybe four years, and they still cannot get it out of the door. And the main reason is that they saw, I think, more than 10 different companies. Um, However, internally, it's like, who owns the data? How is that actually going to happen? Who is going to put in the budget? Do we like it? No, but that VP is fighting with the other VP about who is going to get the credit. So at the end of the day, he can write it and put it on his, uh, his, uh, uh, you know, Uh, end-of-the-year achievements as the leader of that initiative. And these are problems that are human. They are not, it's very sort of selfish and very human. It's not just an insurance company or a very specific uh, element. And sometimes those are challenges, and those are challenges of big organizations. And I've seen amazing companies as well on the other side that they give the power to people, in the scouting and within the innovation. And I'm lucky to work with uh, two of these uh, companies that are like, okay, we are the innovation team. We we define ourselves as project managers. We have the budget. We have the ability to run POCs and pilots. And by pilots is making sure that there is a buy-in from the business unit, and we are going to put in so it will not come from if it's their base budget or if it's from their a, a capital budget or whatever you know the, or the small box, and we can actually drive that forward. So they already managed to structure that capability in order to move things forward, and they have the buy from IT, the business units, a legal which is usually. Uh, the excuse that you're throwing in in order to delay because you are not sure. De- there are different elements that they manage to create. On the other side, of course, you have the startups. And the startups, if they are uh, entering now an in insurance industry or energy and uh, uh, industry or whatever big industry, they go like, I have no idea who I should talk to or how I can reach them. And if I'm going to talk to person X that I met in this conference, can he introduce me to the right person? Is he the right person? How how the organization is actually working. You know, and so, and even that, sometimes you, you have an idea that, or a product that is amazing, but it's not a good fit for that specific company at that time. Yeah, I think that, yeah, great. I have a, a product and it has a, I think that I have a great uh, value proposition, and I had two companies. That one of them is AmTrust uh, Ventures before they sold AmVentures out. That said, yeah, this is amazing. This is what we need, and they sign up on uh, on idea, and uh, I give them a lot of credit. Sadly, they they broke out a little bit, so. Uh, that part is now, we are waiting for the dust to settle to see what's going on with the uh, unventures um so we can bring that up hopefully in the next year. But at that point, it's like most of the startup have no idea how to build those relationships at the beginning and to truly uh, understand if there is a good fit with that specific company. So there are many challenges and. You know, that explains a lot how come we've seen more and more entities who are playing in this game from the model of plug-and-play to GIA and other accelerators that started to create that structure and to bring and help to identify who has a certain fee to whom and doing part of the heavy lifting and the mapping of... The need—it's not hundred percent, but at least they have that certain gravity. And you know, one of the things that I do on a, or a let's call it, under the banner of in short, Los Angeles is creating those opportunities. It's like you bring a community together, you bring people together. It's not commercial; it's a very volunt, a, a voluntarily, volunteer-based. Uh, and people exchange information, create relationships, and from there, there are different business opportunities.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Uh, and you know, um, Gilad, and and I think uh, that is, Absolutely the way to go about it, because when you start to engage or as a large organization, when you start to engage startups and vice versa, um, I, I do find it that startups find it a little bit challenging to get from, you know, point A in terms of meeting someone, let's say at a conference or at an event to actually engage in a POC that or a pilot that would then turn into a longer term partnership or contractual agreement with the larger carrier, um, you know, so to create an environment in which they can engage with people from all across the insurance value chain, like what you're doing with InsureTech LA um, is one that I feel and historically have seen help startups to thrive in an ecosystem in which they aren't too familiar with if they haven't already come from the insurance sector. Now I I do want to talk about InsureTech LA, but even before I go there, um, I I want to you know talk about uh, the what you've um, just mentioned uh, and how you are parlaying that into being an advisory board member of a few startup org- organizations. One being Drop In, and and by the way, you know I had the opportunity to bring Lou Ziskin. On this podcast, he's absolutely an awesome person. I want to throw that out there. Um, now, but you know, with that said, um, you know, companies like Drop-In, um, and for those that are listening to the podcast that they don't know, that don't know what it is, it's a drone-based startup. Which, you know, frankly, when, when I think about, uh, you know, insure tech and the transformation over time with what's been happening in this space you know i i talk about insure tech 1.0 and insure tech 2.0 and then now we're at the verge of 3.0 1.0 being you know focused on hardware 2.0 being focused on uh, software transformation and, and when, when you start thinking 3.0 it's sort of a confluence of different technologies that are working together to create this ecosystem environment right but, but when I look at drop-in being based on hardware and then pivoting somewhat into the, the, the software space you know I, I look at it on the verge of 1.0 and 2.0 um, you know so I, I just wonder over time as insure techs are starting to mature how do you make sure that they that that you're giving them advisory advice to, you know, just relative or stay relatively relevant in this space, especially as you're starting to see rapid transformation and innovation take hold in this industry?
0: So uh, yeah, so dropping is more of a dispatching system for on-demand live video inspections. Part of that uh, value proposition are the drones, so you can, you know on-demand, schedule a pilot, and go, you know, and stream that inspection, full duplex from that drone. It's just part of it. And and as they progressed and built, it's also basically, what are they selling and what is the value proposition? They have a strategic partnership with Lyft, which means that at the beginning, it, it was all about, you know, you have the adjuster, the people who actually know insurance They can be 200 miles away, but you have a Lyft driver who is 50 minutes away. So let's just dispatch that Lyft driver. He will pull out his phone, and now you can stream and tell them where to point the camera. So it started from that value, and slowly you understand what is the actual uh, value that the insurance companies are looking for, and that's a tap into more than a, a million a workforce who are not on' are not employees So think about that concept in terms of you know you can now tap into a workforce of almost two million people who are not employees It's amazing and it's you know and I, I had a great opportunity uh, to pitch them at the first uh, cohort uh, for Lloyd's lab a part of uh, Lloyd's future. And now it was uh, under uh, Inga Beagle. Now with uh, Nick, there there is a new new, uh, new, uh, uh, prospectus and they are moving forward uh, full just exactly on that path. And it's amazing to see how those things come together. And I, I think that the Lloyd's example is amazing how a company that realizes that where they stand and how they work, with the syndicates and with the underwriters, and later on with the brokers and the TPAs, they brought in, they doubled down um, on McKinsey and the future of Floyd, and they're trying to push that forward in order to that it will work and to utilize all kinds of new technologies. And when it comes to an advice, is keeping your eyes open, your ears clear, and understanding and recognizing the macro trends and the small trends and the small nuances and saying, okay, this is, you know, you recognize different movements within the industry and what is where the company need to shift. And sometimes it can be just, you know, same technology, same product, just a little small different tweak in the branding. So it will be clearer to the to the customer or the prospect customer, what is the value that you're providing them as part of their own strategy and next actions? Uh, it can be that simple. Sometimes, as an advisor, you help them, you open your Rolodex and make an introduction. There are various things that change in the you know in this industry. And it's amazing. We are sometimes you know, the change in the industry is so fast. And you, I, I really like the way that you you know, you know coined it as uh, in Shrutech 1.023, uh, I, I will define it as the edge of the aggregators, the IoT, the MGAs, and now finally we are reaching back, uh, sorry, the, and the data, and now we're finally reaching the agents, in my opinion. So we have different ways to break it down, but you see that based on uh, the investments. You see that on who is failing, who is succeeding. You know, we already have, I think, uh, three, if not four unicorns in this industry. I don't know if we can de- define a I pipeline as the fourth unicorn because they're not a startup. They've been around since '95. Uh, but uh, earlier this month, they did their exit at $1.6 billion dollars. So it's um, there are different things that we can measure them and then measure the, and recognize the trends, and then help the different startups and also the different investors who reach out for sometimes for due diligence and a word of advice in that direction.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely, and I, and I think bringing them together um, with the introductions and also with that sort of advisory um uh, in that advisory capacity could um to your point help them get there now now I do want to talk a little bit about Insuretech LA so you're the founder of Insuretech LA and and it's meant to do just that you know you all do things like uh, have events in regards to, to bringing techs carriers, investors, so on together, um, bring speakers in, um, you know, uh, whether it's authors and so on and so on and so forth, right? So, you know, if you don't mind, uh, Gilad, you know, talk to me about InsurTech LA um, and what the overall future for InsurTech LA is going to be in terms of helping do your part to transform this space.
0: So InsurTech LA, it's something that started out of passion, And when you are in the insurance industry and you come from, I would say, the entrepreneurial background and you have the itch, you really want to push things forward. Sometimes you cannot do it internally. Sometimes you need to do it from the outside. Sometimes you need to have a certain combination. And there are many things that, you know, being in that space and I used to, I was in Tel Aviv later on in 2009, I moved to New York. And in 2000, the end of 14, I moved to Los Angeles. And when you want to make a change, you need people to make that change happen. And it's all about bringing people together. So if you want to make a change, you need to bring people together to make the change happen. So, and I need to, in a short like LA, it's a community. People come and uh, uh, aggregate around uh, content, conversation, and a free beer and wine. I buy the beers and the wine that I like to drink and to share with, uh, with uh, the audience. Um, I used to do that completely for free. Now, usually, I charge like $10, which is, and most of the people get some sort of, you know, all kinds of promo codes of 50 or 100% off. And the only reason I do that is to make sure that I have a better conversion rate between tickets purchased and how many people are actually going to show up. Because I felt really bad when, you know, you order, you, you have like more than 100 people uh, RSVP and then, you know, you order enough pizza for everyone and then you go like, ah, we had 30 people. Hmm. We need to, we need to find a better way to do that. Uh, so today, just to make people take that extra action, and like committing the ten dollars, which is, from an LA traffic standpoint, sometimes you'll just waive those ten dollars, but it still improves
1: the the commitment for sure. You know that that is the best way to get people to commit. By the way, is um is even if it's a little bit of money, I think people have that fear of losing out in terms of something that that they uh that they paid for so uh, you no know, i i love the concept of insure tech la um you know i i also have an opportunity to engage with folks from across the country that um have other insure tech organizations in their local communities there you know with InsureTech boston um i, I know stacy really well from insure tech hartford and, and, and so on and um and, and what i find is that you know organizations like the few that we just mentioned are really on the forefront of trying to change the education around insurance transformation and innovation. Um, you know just because I, I typically tend to see a lot of folks that may not even be in the startup world or on an innovation team and and they may be in a traditional insurance role but are looking to learn as much as they can about this change. And bring it back to their own organizations now you know I, I guess that brings me to my my last question gilad you know one of the questions that, that i always ask is you know uh as people are listening to me and you speak here today they're they're wondering okay you know how do i make this tangible um, and how do i bring it back to my organization to you know change the status quo in my organization so you know um what advice would you give to the listeners of this podcast to really transform their own organizations?
0: It starts by opening the floor to discussions and then truly understanding what's going on. I think that the biggest problem uh, internally is siloing. And it's very natural, but you need to open it up in a way that, first of all, you can truly assess what's the problem and what we are trying to solve and give a little bit of, uh, I would call it, uh, loose ends or free time in order to do things which are not part of the rigid roadmap, and from there you start to explore other opportunities. I'm, you know, and that's one of the things that I see. I would I would call it as a generic solution for innovation problem. Uh, for me, of course, I'll be more than happy that people realize that oh, we need to use bound in order to help our agents. And I really like mutuals that uh, looking into their agents and trying to to move forward with them and push them forward on on the small things. But when we are taking that in a general sense, and it's, you know, people like to call the culture an ide- ideation session, I would even you know take a couple of steps back and have the ability to make people work that change that is for the benefit of the company which doesn't reflect within the tight objectives that sometimes are not really managed correctly. There are so many gaps in the big organizations that we are sort of slaving ourselves in, instead of looking forward and thinking that, okay, can we do something which is for the, the better of other companies, sorry, for the better good, and not just what we do, and that will help us and the entire company. And the, and I, I credit that to, you know, growing up in, at Intel. I was there for four years, and it's an amazing company, Intel, because it's a company that structured by engineers for engineers, and it's still, after so many years, are still a leader in their space. And they structure their culture, and everything just... It was really baked into the day-to-day and the year-to-year from how do you sit with your manager or how do they foster the innovation and to be criticized in a very positive way. Your half-year bonus and the the end-of-the-year bonus, how are they structured? By your contribution, your group contribution or site, and the overall success of the company. And how it drills down to that ability without pickering with your uh, same level or your boss and other place. And everything was all about I saw a problem. Here is a solution, and you have the ability, you know, to credit someone and give them like props up. Good job, you just uh, s- uh, saved or may- or. Even better, made more money for the company in the long run. Of course, you know, products at Intel, they're, they're seven years of a life cycle. So it's really, it, it's more about, sometimes it's more about the saving than making the money. But we were there. For example, one of the things that, again, I was very lucky to be part of that. Uh, the second product that I was a part of or a, a product specialist for was the, the quad core. It wasn't planned. The quad core, they said, you know, we're going to have this exhibition. Let's run a couple of uh, units and get something like 20,000 quad core units that we are going to fuse together from two Penrin. I don't ask me what's the name of the commercial. Back then it was Penrin Project. How can we make that happen? And now we have a quad core. And then I said, you know, it's really kicked up. Let's double it for 80,000. And I was I was leading a group uh, that made um, a working group. Uh, that had uh, places in Cavite that the site was already closed and another one in Pedong and Penang. It's like, okay, let's run that. And slowly that thing raised into a a multi-million number of units that Intel sold. Now, of course, there were many, many, I was very low in the chain, right? But that's something that you realize that you can build that and it's only because you know how to create and to work with the different folks in different sites and to work with the marketing and the testing and the folks who are in uh, the fabs that create it in the virtual uh, factories. And people are more about, can we recognize an opportunity and make it happen? And can we make it uh, happen? And that's a bet because for Intel, in that case, and we think about insurance, it's very similar because they will put in... Tens of millions, if not billions of dollars to start a new product in order to earn a billion, more billions. So, and yeah, so it's usually, I, I really like that analogy because you need to have that certainty what, with that you go full force
1: uh, forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, hey, Gilad, you know, I I do want to say thank you. Uh, This was a a really good conversation and, um, you know, I I would love to keep the conversation going. But for those that uh, want to learn more and want to keep the conversation going with you, what's the best way for them to engage you? So they
0: can always find me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at uh, Gilad, G-I-L-A-D, at insurtech.me to talk about random your short tech elements, or Gilad at boundapi.com.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Um, well, um, hey, Gilad, you know, once again, I do want to say thanks. This was an awesome conversation, um, and I look forward to catching up at uh, the next conference that we'll uh, get a chance to catch up in. I think, I think you and I, we've caught up in a lot of places from you know London to Boston, and Uh, everywhere in between so you know looking forward to catching up with you uh, at some point in the future again hey everyone thanks again for listening to another episode of the insurance innovators unscripted podcast now of course if you enjoyed this episode hit that subscribe button share this on social media put it on linkedin and share it with your colleagues so they can get a lot of the value that you've been getting out of this podcast so i do want to say thank you i do know that you can be listening to any other podcast but you're here sitting with me so once again thanks for listening and i'll see you next week